everybody. I am Travis Flock, your host, and I am joined by RJ, Travis Tyler, and Ola, the same crew we've been having on this. Hopefully, Kamal will be able to find a time that works with us. But for listeners out there, it is very difficult to coordinate between five different time zones in three different thirds of the world. So with that said, we're going to get right into it. It's been uh, a lot of disappointment since we've been recording these podcasts. It's been a lot of a lot of losses so far and just disappointing results. And it's quite clearly been one of the most frustrating and disappointing periods of Lampard's management as the Chelsea manager. However that may be, we are here after a 3-1 loss to the hapless Arsenal, and we are here to discuss the 1-1 draw against Aston Villa, which in my opinion, and I'll talk about this as we get going, was probably a better result than most people want to give it credit for, especially after coming from the 3-1 trouncing at Arsenal. So without further ado, I'm just going to give the rest of our hosts here a chance to kind of give some of their thoughts over what's gone on the past two matches, and maybe just any thoughts they have Um from a collective standpoint on the fan base right now. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and hand the floor over to RJ. Thanks, Travis, and hey to the rest of the team. As you mentioned, it's been quite a disappointing December period for for the Mighty Blues. And I think I do agree with you in the sense that we did see a positive reaction in the Aston Villa game. And while we had a lot of pressure coming from that debacle of an effort against Arsenal and the expectation that we were treating the game against the Villa as a must-win, I thought in the context of how Aston Villa has been performing as well as that terrible game we had against Arsenal, one all wasn't the worst result in the world, notwithstanding that we really did want to try to bounce back in in proper fashion. And I, and I did think that overall... On the balance of things, we did enough just to scrape a win, not trounce them, but I thought we were a little bit unlucky, obviously, with the goal that we conceded with Christensen being on the ground, which did leave a large gaping hole at the back, which we'll jump into. But I just think that we've seen it a lot this season. As you might recall, prior to the unbeaten streak, we had some teething issues at the start of the campaign. And very much what we're seeing now, again, with some of the so-called fans is that we have this tendency to really hone in on difficult periods and conveniently not remember or put front of mind some of the good moments that we're having. So what the theme we're seeing is that it's a little bit of an up and down season. And it's not just Chelsea, I might add. We're seeing a very unusual season for all teams with some very unusual results, i.e. the 7-2 trumping of Aston Villa with Liverpool. So I think sometimes we, we as a fan base, we get a little bit too zoned in on specific time periods and we don't stretch our memories back further enough to take a little bit of a bird's eye view across a longer sample size. So I just think that while it's been a disappointing month, we have seen some good patches here and there. We had that good win against an informed West Ham. We did play well against Aston Villa in patches. wasn't great, but notwithstanding that, and we have to be fair here, is that we just haven't been at our best during this month. But that comes off the back of a very good period of time. So 
I suppose if I did have a message to the fans, and I do post this often on Twitter because I'm seen as more of an optimistic fan, probably sometimes a bit delusional, but trying to be balanced, is that it's not always doom and gloom. It's fine to criticise in a constructive manner, but it's also important to try to remember that we have been doing well and let's let's celebrate when we're doing well, not over-celebrate, but when we're not doing so well, it's important to reflect on what we're not doing great, but not over-engineer it. Yeah, those are great points, RJ, and you bring up a key point for me that I want to touch upon before I uh, move over to Ola, is that you bring up how it's a very unusual season, and we can see that through evidence of some of the results that we've seen so- thus far, you know, how much United were struggling at first, Aston Villa beating Liverpool, the struggles of Man City, or especially, you know, I, I don't want to say this because they just beat us handedly 3-1, but how poorly Arsenal have been as well this season. But I think that what I have talked to some other people in the fan base before is this idea of volatility this season. So this season, that we I think we're seeing more volatility than ever in the Premier League table. What I mean by that is one win, one loss can take you from third to eighth, or a win can take you from tenth to fifth. You know the amount of volatility we're seeing in one game and how that how much that one match can affect the results, either positively or negatively, in terms of the league uh, table standings. I think is getting a lot of people really caught up, and they're not appreciating how tight of margins it is from ten to ten to three, ten to two. I mean, hell, even eight to eight to one is not a huge gap right now. That's insurmountable. So, so a lot of that volatility has worked against us in the month of December. But however, I think that if it does start to flip the switch, we get the results and that volatility works in our favor, we're going to have a very different tune. And it is disappointing that we see so many that are willing to look at four to five games and make up their entire opinion of a three-year project. But like you said, conveniently ignore the 17 that fully show this project is working. And I'll leave it there before I say anything else. Uh, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent. So Ola... Uh, go ahead and hand it over to you. I want to let you give some of your thoughts, opinions, comments, concerns on the current status of the Chelsea club and the last two results that we've seen against Arsenal and Villa. Okay. The, the Arsenal game was was really, really hard to watch. It was... There was nothing that we did right. And after the game, I noticed we had 19 shots. More shots than Arsenal, and it was surprising because it didn't seem like we we're doing any of that. But I think part of it is we we were victims of our own 17 game and beating run because we this team needed to this team needed to develop, and they were in the middle of that development. And when we went on that 17 game on beating run, we forgot that this team is still not where they're supposed to be. So we picked up some results, some comfortable results, and we thought, yeah, we've gotten there. But, you know, as reality always takes good care to yank us back down to reality. I also noticed that our our bad form coincided with Tammy Abraham and Hakim Ziyech leaving the lineup. 
Uh, it turns out that Tammy Abraham was doing things for Chelsea that we never really noticed until he was gone. And when Giroud came into the side against an Everton that were comfortable doing what Giroud, comfortable defending against what Giroud was offering, when we met against teams like that, Giroud was not as effective anymore. And against West Ham, when we brought Tamir Brown back to the lineup, even though we did not play well, we didn't play particularly well, we still got a 3 0 win. In fact, the, the West Ham game, there are, there are more similarities to the West Ham game with Aston Villa than Arsenal. So I think um, the I think the, the the problems that we're currently facing are multifaceted. The manager is not innocent. Though when I watched the Arsenal game, I couldn't not blame the players. And I don't often see bad performances like that and just pin it on the players. But this one was particularly bad because it was clear watching it that Arsenal players understood the occasion more than the Chelsea players, which was surprising to me because many of those players have been, have been there for quite a while. But against, against Arsenal, we, we, we lacked fight. We, we, we seemed, to, we seemed to, to be aware that Arsenal had been in bad form and just expect a victory. Against Aston Villa... We looked better. We were not lacking effort. We were just lacking ideas. We just didn't know what to do. When we had the ball, we didn't know how to how to distribute the ball. We didn't know how to move. There are points in the Aston Villa match where players were trying to counter. Our own players were trying to counter, and there was no movement. People were 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 still trying to decide how to how to move or if to even move. So. There was that. I've been on Twitter for quite a while and I've seen um, Lampard outtakes and I've had a few conversations with a lot of them, really. And many of them think it is... They think Chelsea being in bad form means let's get a new manager because a new manager would get more out of these players. That's not a bad point, but... We Manchester United is a perfect example. Last season, Manchester United started badly. They finished third. This season, Manchester United seemed to start badly. And now they are second. We just need to go on a consistent run of form. When we went on the 17 game on beating run, we were in top four there or thereabouts. Now we've got we picked up four points in from 15. And everyone is losing their minds. I think Lampard should be given to the end of the season. If he doesn't make top four, then more discussions need to be had. But it's still too early. It's game week 16. We've not, we're not halfway through the season yet. Of course, Chelsea fan base is always... It's always either all roses or fire and hell. So I think they should come. <laughs> it, it really is that way. And... I think you make a great point there with what you said. Everybody wants to think of a new manager and how they're going to come in and get the best of this squad. But my simple response is that every manager that comes in 
no matter how much they're going to get out of this squad or not, is going to go through a bad run of form. It's going yeah, to happen. Still going to need time. Exactly. So you're gonna if you say you want a manager, that doesn't mean I want a manager so long as results are X, Y, and Z. I mean, if you're gonna advocate for a manager, you need to give that time. You can't expect results to come immediately. And I know everybody says, well, this is Lampard's second season. And I get that. As as Ola said, if top four is not reached at the end of this year, we're going to have a much different conversation and tone about this. But for the time being, I mean, last I checked, there's 22 games left to be played, or 23, one or the other. There, there's, a, there's more of the season left in the Premier League than there is played already. And I think that alone, given on how well we've done and given our, our position in the table, you know, we've gone through a terrible run of form and we're still we're still uh, tied for fifth. But, you know, I know we're on goal differential, so we're on sixth. But you get my point. You know, we're going to have any manager is going to have trouble because we've had world class manager after world class manager after world class manager at Chelsea Football Club. And every one of them has gone through a bad, you know, a bad stretch of form, whether that's been their, you know, the Mourinho, which was the death nail in his coffin, or if it was just simply Antonio Conte, where the forms, the, the results dipped, the form suffered. He wanted the players he wanted. He didn't get them. So he said, so be it. And, you know, we just never really kicked on from that point. So I, I think that that is a great thing to bring up. And many people sorry, lose sight. Sorry, of, yeah. Go ahead. I want to add, concerning the title race and, and challenging for the title thing, people, when, 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 when we tell people that we can't challenge for the title yet, it's not because we're not saying we don't have good players. We're not saying we can't win enough games. But a title challenge is a lot more than just winning games. You need consistency. You need different options. For now, we don't have different options. When Ziyech is not creating, we look to Mason Mount. And Mason Mount has been our most creative player this season. But that tells you everything you need to know. This is not to say that Mason Mount is not doing anything. He is. He's trying. But Mason Mount is not a creator. So there's that. And when we, we look at Klopp and Pep, these players are five years into their tenures. Jurgen Klopp is five years into his stay at Liverpool. Um, Guardiola came third in his first season. And, you know, after everything, he delivered the Centurion season and kicked on from there. This is Lampard's second season at Chelsea. So the, the comparisons are unfounded for me. Because there's a reason that, that Lampard has a three-year plan. No one expected Lampard to challenge in his second season. But I'm apparently realizing now that many people did expect Lampard to challenge in the second season because he spent he spent 250 million. Yeah, I think that a lot of the title challenge was uh the talk of that was very premature given everything that's gone on and like you said it's it's Lampard's second season and or it's second season at Chelsea. It's only his third full season in management alone. So good points Ola and I'm going to get this over to Travis now let him get some of his thoughts comments, concerns from the last two matches and the, the situation at hand and what's going on within the fan base. Yeah, I, I feel like all I've been doing for the past two days is arguing with people on Twitter and Reddit about <laughs> Lampard. 
Um, so the Arsenal game is inexcusable. There's no way around that. But I don't blame that on Lampard. I I watch a lot of games, and you can watch a game and look at it and tell like these players are doing the tactics they are told to be doing versus these players just they're just not at it. Against Arsenal, it was just the players not being at it. And if it wasn't Frank Lampard as manager, I would say these players were trying to get their manager fired. <laughs> like, it was that bad of a performance. I, I can't even begin to talk about anything Lampard chose to do in that game because there was just no execution behind it at all. It, and, and it's funny you bring that up. Sorry to interject here. Yeah. But it's funny you bring that up because I, I talked to some, some other people that – I don't know if it's professional or semi-professional, whatever their role is. And, you know, some people after that match said, if I would have performed that way, I probably wouldn't touch the field for a couple matches. Uh, If I was to be awarded a start and go out there and play that way. And some of the people I know that play, you know, kind of said that was absolutely that no one did any of the basics as a player, which is just to show that you care, you know, go out there and fight for the club. And it just, I agree with you. It was just like a bunch eleven zombies on the field going through the motions. Yeah, and I mean, I get that at this point in the season, especially on a boxing day, our players are going to be tired. I understand that, but you know, do you think Lampard ever would have had to have been told like, "Hey, you're playing Arsenal today. Go care. Go care." It's it just astounds yeah. me how they went out and played that way because. You know, people are blaming Lampard for not motivating them enough. You know, why do you need motivation to play against Arsenal? It's your rival. It's your biggest rival. Spot on. Spot on. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, I mean, that game is just inexcusable. Austin Villa, we did better. We didn't do great, but we did better. And we have to remember that we rotated, and they didn't. And, you know, they're a very good side this season. You know, they're almost the kind of side we wish we were at this very moment. When we had our bad moment, we just kind of wilted because we didn't really know what to do with it. When Austin Villa barely survived relegation, they rallied around each other. And look at them now. They're they're not having a lesser season, but they're pretty close. Like, that's the kind of energy we need. And, I mean, we only lost that game. Or we didn't lose it. We drew it. But... It was, you know, Andreas Christensen, he got hurt, which is fair, but then he stayed down, and they scored when he was down, and he got right back up. So how hurt was he really? I don't want to say, but it's that same kind of mentality that we still have in parts of the club that it's holding us down, and there's not really much Lampard can do about that other than time and, you know, working with players. You know, I look at players like Mason Mount, Reese James, Tammy Abraham, who, you know, they were in the championship two years ago. And now they're some of our best players, but they're also some of the Premier League's best players. And that doesn't just happen without a good manager behind them, getting them what they need. I see people suggesting, you know, Thomas Tuchel's available. Has anyone (laughs) paid attention to Thomas Tuchel? Tuchel? I mean, Dortmund fans can't stand him. PSG fans can't stand him. He just got into a fight with Dortmund's board. He got into a fight with PSG's board. And Neymar and Mbappe. Yeah, and Neymar and Mbappe. His, his tactics are the worst of series. 
It's like we're trying to combine the worst Conte and the worst Seri and have this German manager because we think that's what we need right now. It's not. We need Frank Lampard. You know, we're six points off top right now. We could talk about how weird this season is or anything else or how many teams are between us and Liverpool. The last time we were six points from Liverpool was like match day four last season. Like, that's what we're talking about right now. We're not the same Chelsea that we used to be. We need to close that gap. We can't ignore it. And we're working on it slowly. But more than anything, if you told someone 10 years ago when Frank Lampard was not only the Premier League's best player, but just one of the best midfielders in the world, if you told people that he was manager of Chelsea Football Club and we were six points off top on Christmas and he was fired or fans were telling the club that he should be fired, they would lose their minds. That's yeah. where we are as a club right now. Like, if, if you went back to me as a teenager and told me that, I would lose my mind because Lampard is our best player ever, period, and mm. we're six points off top. And, you know, we talk about giving managers time, and that's been, you know, we go back to Jose Mourinho Mark One when we were talking about giving managers time. But if we can't give time to Frank Lampard of all people, who are we going to give it to? Nobody. Exactly. That's 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 and that leads uh, to. Tuchel. Yeah, we'll give it to no, Tommy Tuchel. No. Yeah, and then blow it all up in two years, right? He wouldn't last two years. No, no. I mean, and, and the the fact that there's a lot of shouts for Tuchel, I think that just comes from these this obsession with. I hate to say it, some of the the younger crowd. I'm not an old guy myself. I guess my opinions qualify me as a Yurda, but. I, I, I'm not an older guy, but I think a lot of these younger fans have this idea of this, you know, this uh, JDP or positional play type stuff as the the end all be all, and they think anybody who plays that and has a black and white Abby to analyze the game is is superior in some way. So sorry to go off a little tangent there. I think the Tuchel stuff is nonsense uh, myself, but the, the simple fact is, look, we've tried projects in the past. I, I think the most idyllic one we tried was Andres Villas Boas, and whatever. Ha- okay, I mean, whatever happened, it, it didn't work. I mean, yes, he was given a squad that wasn't really fit to play his style, so on and so forth. He couldn't get along with his senior players, and he's eventually dismissed. But you know, Villas Boas was still, I don't know where he was in the league table when he was fired, but we we definitely gotten smacked to Napoli away 3-1, and it looked like it might have been the end of our Champions League campaign. We know what happened, so on and so forth. But the reason with Vias Boas is the players didn't buy into the system, okay? The board was approached by, as I understand, once again, I wasn't at these meetings, I just read things, and from what I've read, it seems that senior players under Vias Boas' management said, we've had enough. This guy's got to go. We're, we're not going to achieve anything this season. We have a real chance to. But if he continues at the helm, we're not going to get it. The change is made. We did great. But I don't see I, I don't see players that are trying to get Frank Lampard out of his job. I don't see that like I maybe saw with Andres Villas-Boas. And we are so – there aren't really any inklings of a bunch of failings so far. Because if you want to say that, well, we're failing now, we're failing now, we gotta we got to make a change – then where the hell was your support when we were 17 games unbeaten? So what do you think of that? We should have gotten rid of it. We, we, nobody was calling for him to go then. 
But, you know, one one month and it's all over. And like you said, Travis, we're six points from the top of the league table. If you would have told anyone, I think at the end of last season, that you're going to be six points off the top at Christmas, would you believe them in May, May of this year alone? I, I probably wouldn't have, honestly. I, I wouldn't have believed you either. I would have said, yeah, we're going to catch up to that Liverpool and that City team in the matter of four months with all of the context and mitigating circumstances that have gone on. I'm not even going to say that. No, I'm not even going to say it because everybody wants to act like it's an excuse at this point. But we know the lack of preparation that was there and all of that. And the key thing is I want to point out that when we went on that 17-game unbeaten run, we were starting to see Ziyech get into the team. We are starting to see more of what we think Lampard was going with. You know, you started to see Ziyech and, and James on that right side forming this really lethal partnership going forward. That injury to Ziyech was uh, against Leeds, if I'm not mistaken. And I, yeah. and I won't lie. When he pulled up his hamstring, looked right at the bench, and I saw him go off, I was like, oh, man. I was like, this has been the, this has been the guy that's gotten us on, on this run and playing such great attacking ball. And just he's flipped the switch for us offensively and probably defensively as well. So that's, I think, where we are with this. I, I, I think that a lot of this is down to injuries. It's down to fixture congestion. It's down to all of the context surrounding this unique 2020-2021 season. And, and I, I I don't know. I'm with you. I don't really get the shouts to call them out. Granted, we could probably sit down and have an hour discussion criticizing some of the mis- things that go on with Frank Lampard. But yet, I feel everybody here has constructive criticisms and nuanced, more balanced takes to give people on these criticisms as opposed to just screaming and yelling, Lampard out, Lampard out. All we do is cross. I mean, I, I don't know how many people I've had try to have to explain to them that overloading one flank and crossing is a really common offensive tactic and style of play. Just because you don't like it doesn't make it any less valid. They they believe in JDP until they see it happen and they don't like how it happens. Yep. And we, you know, we've seen JDP can work if it's at the right situation in the right club, but we don't really see these top clubs in terms of, you know, Chelsea had Mauricio Sarri. I don't know what that situation was, but we know that he left. He went to Juventus and he went to Juventus and they kindly asked him after one season to, you know, we, we're going to part ways. We're, we're done with this. We're not going to do a three to four year project. We need somebody that can come in now and, and maybe get this where we want to be. Although Juventus did win the league title last year and, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't know what goes on in those decisions, and I won't really speculate on those either. I just know that it does seem like the most obvious JDP manager that I am personally related to in terms of a fan as Chelsea Football Club. I have a little bit of knowledge of Sari, and I've seen him now at two clubs in two years, and he's been asked to leave after the end of each season. I'm not making any judgment for listeners out there about Maurizio Sari. I'm just simply telling you what reality says. So uh, with that, I, I want to get out, you know, move on from this. It's been a lot of talk about uh, what's going on and just this overall surrounding uh, circumstances with the season. So one thing I, you know, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen that I posted this earlier today. And I kind of said that we can't keep judging each individual match 
if we want to solely analyze each, you know, each match on its own in a vacuum, we can't continue to do that by using excuses that are from the overarching theme of the three to four year project that Lampard was employed to be a part of. And what I mean by that is if we lose at Arsenal, I don't want to hear the context of a three year plan. I'm here to analyze this match and this match only. But I also don't think that we should start letting one match influence our perspective of the three-year plan and how that three-year plan is going because it's illogical, in my opinion, to cherry-pick results to make statements on the project. Because as we've seen with the project, for year one, I think we overachieved expectations. This year, if we go on you know, a five-game unbeaten run, we're probably going to be in the thick of the title conversation again, assuming whoever is in first doesn't just go on an equal or larger run themselves. So I want to hear what some of you, what you all think of what I have to pose there with, do you think that we can analyze the project by one individual result or maybe four individual results in a row or in vice versa? Do you think that we can analyze those, or excuse me, we can analyze those matches within the context of the project and we can analyze the uh, context of the project within those single matches. So I wanted to open that up. I'll start with you this time, Travis. What do you think about that dynamic? I mean, so I don't think we can get too far away from the idea of the project, but we also just need to, you know, kind of simplify it, right? So what is our goal this year? Our goal was to get top four again and to close the gap. And we're doing that. Maybe it's not as pretty as we like it to be, but it's happening. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how much money we spent over the summer. And, you know, we spent $200 million. Oh, no. We also what big club any- doesn't do that every single summer? Anymore. Yeah, I mean, we also didn't spend anything last year. Even in January when we could, we didn't do anything with it. We just sat on it. So, you know, other clubs, Manchester City, Liverpool, they have spent just as much in about a similar time frame. They just spread it out more. We had it all at once. And you have to recognize that when you do that, the players still need to get used to the league. They still need to get used to each other. And it's not going to just work right away for every single player. And it may never work for some players. That happens too. And, you know, historically in the last five years, Chelsea's got a terrible record with that. We got to be honest about that. But the, the Arsenal loss is bad. The losses that preceded it make it even worse. We can't escape that. But we had bad runs last year too. And we rebounded out of them. We had a really good run last year, and we had an even better good run this year. As long as we're still meeting our goal at the beginning of the season, which is top four and you know closing that gap, I think we've done good this season. And especially with as weird as things are, you know, you mentioned how you know people take COVID as an excuse, but it's real. You know, we've played more games than Austin Villa. We played a lot more games than Austin Villa because of Champions League, because they're on top of each other. We had players away on break before the season even began. Did Austin Villa, you know, maybe Jack Grealish, I don't really recall. But if you look around at all the top five leagues in Europe, this is pretty much what's happening. All the smaller teams are kind of doing better, and all the bigger teams are doing a little worse. So... We need to recognize that for this season, too. But I think overall we need to really pay attention to, you know, Lampard's got three years of a contract. If at the end of 
those three years he hasn't won a silverware, yeah, maybe we part ways. But he's not going to be fired for it. We, we just need to keep building for something. We have spent so much time chasing trophies and everything else, and we've got a lot of them. But I really think since Jose Mourinho came back the second time that we've seen, you know, simply firing a manager doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work the same anymore, rather. You have to give them time to build. And it's not always going to be straightforward, but, you know, we are in an era now where you have to give managers time to build. And if you don't give them time to build, what we've commonly seen is that we put a Band-Aid over it with an interim manager. We bring in somebody new at the end, at the beginning of the new season, and that person maybe responds to the pressure and the, uh, the reputation that precedes Chelsea Football Club manager. And they come in, get some results, and then, you know, they go through a bad spell. Maybe that doesn't go their way a few ways here and there. Maybe they don't have quite the squad suited to play their style and results suffer. But the reason why a lot of managers that we've seen have asked for more backing and have asked for players that are more of their liking is exactly because we continually chop and change managers. So you have Jose Mourinho, and let's be honest, a lot of the players that he brought in were proven winners. They win the title. Gus Heating comes in after we're, what, a couple points off relegation almost by Christmas, which was a much, much worse situation that we're in right now. Antonio Conte comes in. You know, he wanted to play a little bit differently than what he ended up doing, but he eventually said, defensively, this team is way too awful for us to consider playing highly attacking football I'm going to a 3-4-3. He does that, highly successful, and we redevelop some players as wingbacks, and Alonzo became a specialist at that. Maurizio Sarri comes in, and lo and behold, how shot, how bunch of a shocker here, Conte players weren't suited to play Sarri's style. So now he, Sarri has an uphill battle to climb because of the chronic com, chop and change of managers instead of just giving a long-term project. So I, I completely agree with you. I think if you want stability and you want success in the modern Premier League, you have to be willing to go through bad times within a project. And Chelsea has shown so far that maybe that's not their strength, but I do feel there is reason to believe Lampard is that way. And losing context, exactly what you said, losing context of the three-year project is going to get us right back to where we have been with chop and change and Deadwood that doesn't fit the next manager and so on and so forth, rinse and repeat till ad infinium, ad nauseum. So I, I, I do think that that is a great point, and it is. It, it, is this, it is the simple fact that you have to let a project, if you're going to be committed to that project when you sign on for it from the club and the manager, you have to be able to let, let it go, run its course, and evaluate season by season not evaluate every four games. So I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to pose the same question here to Ola. Well, for one, I think Lampard ended his right to another season, and he ended his right to get better players because he came in to a Chelsea side that nobody was going to agree to take. Um, I I heard talk of Allegri, and Allegri is not going to stake his, his reputation on a team where he can't spend money, where the best player is living to Real Madrid, where he has to depend on academy players that he knows nothing about. Yes, everybody talks about how Chelsea has the best academy in the world, but that is Chelsea fans that know that. Many people that are not in the Chelsea community don't really know much about these players. 
So you are telling a top manager to come into a side and rely on these players that are unproven. Many of them don't have Premier League experience to rely on them to achieve top four in a Chelsea system. So no one was going to accept that. Mourinho Sarri saw that, yeah, I can't do this no hazard thing, and he 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 took the next flight out. So Lampard came into this side, worked with the tools he had, and achieved top four. He got money to spend, and he should be allowed at least another season. Nobody is saying when we say he shouldn't challenge, he's not supposed to challenge for the title. We are not saying he should not achieve top four. Top four is the minimum. If if we achieved top four last season, then we definitely would expect him to achieve it this season. So top four is the minimum. Yes, people are saying that they want to see progress, and we all want to see progress. But if you say the last five games are proof that there's no progress, what then do you say about the 17 games on beating run? What then do you say about Sheffield United that we took one point from last season, and this season we beat them comfortably? What then do you say about matches like Leeds, West Ham, Newcastle, we struggled in these games last season, and this season we didn't struggle in them as much. So, if you are looking for signs of progress, there are signs of progress. But if the sign of progress you want is that we go on a 38-game win streak, then no, it will look as if we're not making any progress. We lost, we lost the player in Hakim Ziyech. Last season, our main creator was William. And for what everyone said about William, no one has even hit the average key passes per game that William hit last season. That just shows you that our main attacking creative outlet has not been playing. Tommy Abraham combined there with Timo Werner and we were, we were, we were doing things to teams. And we played Giroud against Sevilla, and Giroud did that madness. So we couldn't drop him. And the two games after that, we played him, and he scored, and we lost. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a mixture of everything. But I think as at game week 16, game week 16 is not the time to start making sweeping conclusions as to the development of the players and the development of the squad and and who should be manager and why the current person at the helm should be sacked. I think all that is is, is an over, overreaction. Like I said, I think he has earned his right to work with better players and he should now be given space. Some people think advocating for Lampard to stay is saying that Chelsea has been playing well and the players have been at fault. No. The Aston Villa game was better than the Arsenal game, but we still looked flat. We still looked flat. We had more shots and more shots on target, and we had more possession. But I didn't, I didn't ever think we were going to win the game because it didn't look like that to me. And I felt that we will, we will win games before. So it's not just the Chelsea thing. It, we didn't look like we were going to win the game, so we were flat. And that, for me, the manager takes responsibility for. But that still doesn't mean that the manager should get sacked. Managers have bad games. There are managers have bad run of games. It happens. It's it's not the end of the world. And I'm frankly tired of of Chelsea fans. The first opportunity they see to 
lose their heads. They lose their heads. Yesterday, it was a lot of talk about the players that were responsible for the for the draw. We've never kept a clean sheet against Aston Villa. I don't think Lampard has ever kept a clean sheet against Aston Villa. So we considering a goal to Aston Villa is not new. Last season, we played them twice in the season and we won 2-1 on both times, I'm, I think. I'm not sure. I can't fully remember. But I know that the away match after the restart was a 2-1 comeback win. We went down 1-0. Yeah. 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 So, 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 yeah, we, 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 we expected, we didn't expect to keep a clean sheet against Aston Villa. The second thing is, we have to remember that our best team is better than Aston Villa. Our second team is not better than Aston Villa. That's the truth of the matter. Our second team is not better than Aston Villa. So I was, I was just highlighting that to show that the amount of changes we made towards the Aston Villa game, 1-1 was not that bad a result. When Lampard said he, he wanted to see a reaction, many people thought what Lampard meant was he wanted to see a win. Yes, of course he wanted to see a win. Everybody wants to see a win. But you don't win because you want to win. That's not why you win. You win because you play well enough to win. And we didn't. But as per the reaction, there was a reaction. Because there was effort. It was clear that the players were doing what they could on the pitch. They just didn't have the tools to break down Aston Villa. And they took, um, Lampard took off Giroud and Timoena came in. And I expected Timoena to have a better game because... He had space to run into behind Aston Villa, and for some reason, it just didn't work out that way. So, uh, it's it's not it's insincere of fans to say the last five games shows we we are not getting anywhere because every match before that showed we were getting somewhere. So it, it doesn't all go away in five games because you know we are we are having bad results. I think when 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 Tom Abraham returns to the side, I expect us to start picking up better results. Otsunodoy has been playing well. And, yeah, I also want to talk about the Otsunodoy situation for a little bit. I find it interesting that Lampard says Otsunodoy doesn't perform well enough in training to start. But twice when he has had a very, very bad first half, Lampard, that is, he calls on Otsunodoy in the second half. So he knows what Otsunodoy brings to the side and he knows what Otsunodoy can do. So when he's in trouble, he brings on Otsunodoy. So I don't know what's up with that. I don't know what's up with the Otsunodoy situation either, and I'll be candid about it. I am a person that believes Otsunodoy is going to be a big success at the club um, if, if everything goes according to plan. I understand it's a big assumption, a big if, but I do think the kid's talent is undeniable. Mm. And... I'm not sure what it is. I don't see the players outside of eh, maybe two hours, three hours a week on average, you know. So I don't see a whole lot. I, I see just that side of it, and I, so I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But I do know when I look at the when I look at what goes on on the field, and I look at the statistics of those on-field performances. Hudson Odoi does create goals, whether it's a you know goals themselves or assists. He does create them. So I, I don't know really either. I think that is a great discussion, maybe for the next episode to put some uh, put some questions in there on Cho. 
All, everything you said, I think, is a great point uh, about the situation and about the, you know, how there were instances where it was maybe player and manager at fault to some degree. But there is one thing I wanted to point out, which is you talked about the reaction at Aston Villa. And I agree that there was a reaction there. It, and like you said, it just wasn't a win. And and I don't I'm not going to steal this. This is Travis, uh, our other co-host, also said this on Twitter he said that the reaction moved the needle, just didn't move the needle as much as you would have wanted. And I think that was one of the best takes I've heard on the Lampard um, response in the press conference saying that he saw a reaction. Because we did. The needle was moved. It was moved away from, quite frankly, I think 3-0 Arsenal was the worst loss I've seen since 6-0 City under the Maurizio Sarri days. So yeah, I do think there was a reaction. If there was no reaction, we would have gone out there to an Aston Villa team that is a lot better than Arsenal squad. And let's be let's just be straight up. This Aston Villa team is not a joke. Okay, they're fifth in the table, and we're almost midway. They beat Liverpool seven to two. This isn't a joke. This isn't a fluke. That's a good team with a with a squad that's playing very well under their manager. So. We did see a reaction. We held we held the lead for a long period of time in, in terms of you know we staved off Aston Villa's attack. We got that one nil lead. We were able to you know eh, we were able to prevent them from scoring two. I mean I guess there's a positive, but yeah, I, I think yeah, you bring absolutely. up some interesting points. And I want to move to you really quickly, RJ, and let you get some of your uh, responses. And sorry for leaving you on the sidelines a little bit there. Nah, this has been a really good discussion. Just to wrap up that the Aston Villa positives, some some more from my perspective, were not just the energy that Cho brought, but I thought that we were the first team to reach Aston Villa's goal during December, I believe, so that's a bit of a win in itself. Pulisic had a couple of guilt-head chances on another day. He buries them, and you know we talk about how great he is and how he has come back from his recent injury issues. I also thought the fact that we did limit them quite aggressively and we did put in a pretty strong display overall despite our inability to convert the second goal. We did have one chalked off, if you believe, given Pulisic was offside from the initial header. So it's just a rub of the green. Chilwell's volley at the end, inches wide. On another day, he scores that. So it's just one of those things where when it rains, it pours. So I think that sort of context is quite important to say that when when the rub of the green's going our way, we go on a 17-match unbeaten streak, and when it doesn't, we don't necessarily get the wins. And that happens in a season, especially in a very topsy-turvy one, the one we're going through at the moment. So looping back to your initial concept of about analysing individual performances in the context of whether or not we're aligning with our project or otherwise, I think that the way that we're going, we are seeing improvement. I know that might not be the popular opinion on, on our good friends on Twitter, et cetera, but I think the way that we're going overall as a 15-game as a examination, and if you want to stretch that back to last season, I genuinely 100% believe we are seeing improvement. We're seeing improvement in terms of clean sheets. We're seeing improvement in terms of stability in our preferred formation. We're seeing improvement in, in lots of areas. And, yeah, we have had a difficult period. But tell me which team who hasn't had a difficult period this season and then I'll keep quiet, you know. So I would urge, if I could, many of our fans, and perhaps this is where we're a victim of our own success. 
a victim in terms of the success we've had during the Abramovich era, where we've had instant results, but also a victim of our success in terms of that 17-game unbeaten streak. I, myself, even though I was a little bit more measured, you can't help but to think sometimes, why, why can't we go further in this season based on how good we went in those 17 games and how creative we were in attack and how re- resilient we were in defence? So I can understand, even if I don't necessarily agree, I can definitely understand why fans, when we had that 17-game unbeaten streak, were having that, they were allowing themselves to believe that we were going to do something special this season. It is something where perhaps if we weren't as good during that period, people's expectations would have been a little bit more checked. So it's a funny thing where we perhaps overperformed during that period to allow ourselves to be convinced that we might go on and win something quite important this season. But I think these last four weeks have sort of just brought expectations back to reality. And, and to Lampard's credit, he never allowed himself to buy into that hype. So people will say when they follow his post-match com- comments and his, you know, his initial reactions that he doesn't tend to lay a lot of criticism on himself, but I don't necessarily agree with that because I study his comments quite closely. But the consistent theme he does say during his messaging is that, one, we are a work in progress. This isn't going to happen overnight, hence the project. But also, hard work works. And for our young boys, what we were seeing is that when things were all sunshine and rainbows during that unbeaten streak, we were having that mentality that we were untouchable. Chilwell said it. Yeah, I'm sure he regrets that now. But ironically, he said know, it right exactly. before everything went terribly exactly. wrong. Exactly, <laughs> and, and that's part of the and but that's part of the learning curve trap. You know what I mean? So I think. You know, now that we're going through this rocky period, this is where we start to separate the men from the boys. And this is part of developing that serial winning mentality. So from my perspective, while, of course, I'd want us to win some of these games and convert some of these draws into three points, I think it's part of a bigger learning curve. And as long as we're seeing progress on a macro level, which I, again, stand by that we are, then I think there's no need for panic. We are only six points off the top echelons of the Premier League. Our targets were to reduce the gap on Liverpool and City, which at this stage of the season we are. So it's just, again, for us as a fan base to take a wider sample size and not react over the top after each individual performance, unless we're getting those diabolical results like we end performances like against Arsenal. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think that the point you make about we need to not get so caught up within each individual result as well as maybe being more realistic with our expectations. And instead of going through this rough spell and questioning the managers, not just tactics or decisions, but questioning his job outright and the entire project that we're trying to do and trying to strip away the past of chop and change. I think what's important to note is potentially you said that these last few games, this last month of December, maybe has made us crash back to earth a little bit in our terms of expectations. And it, it kind of makes me think of an interesting question. Uh, it's just kind of came to me now is that I wonder if the people that are more calling for Lampard to go out of his job now, which I don't even really want to think about myself, but for the ones calling for him to go out, I wonder if they're just unable to, you know, they, they got that really emotional hype 
of how well we were doing for 17 games unbeaten. And I wonder if they're just unable to reconcile emotionally with the, I thought we were title winners this season with the, now the results are bad. And maybe there's some cognitive dissonance there where they're thinking, well, I bought into this hype. That's who we really are. And reality now says that I don't actually see what I thought my hype was. So instead of confronting and lowering my own expectations and not even actually lowering your expectations, just accepting the objective reality, instead they knee-jerk and say, get rid of them instead. Because so, somebody else is going to come in and, and bring my expectations and hype back as faster than what we already have. So it's just kind of a, a hypothetical, yeah. maybe rhetorical question I thought of, but I don't know if you have any response to that, RJ. Yeah, I just might add to that. It's funny because we're all on Twitter. We all interact on social media. And the way that we're commenting on each individual performance is it's almost as if we're taking a season-long deep dive. We're not yeah. even halfway through the season. That's and what I, I, and I can't stress And I can't stress that enough And because it's an emotional roller coaster. We love our club. We, they do affect our happiness or otherwise when we don't get the result. And I think you're spot on, Travis, in the sense – we allowed ourselves to get emotionally attached to that great form we were in. And it's Frank Lampard is a legend. You know, we're seeing big accounts jump on and say things like we're building something special. We're going to the top. Look at look at all of our rivals choke and burn in the process. It's all a very great year. Then when the water start getting a little bit bumpy, it just starts <laughs> throwing people a little bit off guard. So I think the, fairy tale the narratives being disrupted and it's like getting that acceptance as you mentioned but i just again for me i just look at it as if let's not go and jump over the top after each game or a few games and equally when we're going positively if we if we win five games in a row we're not going to win the treble put it that way you know what i mean so it's just really about taking a very measured and sensible approach of course, we're going to be passionate and emotional. That's part of supporting the club. But let's use it constructively and not be all end-of-the-world stuff when it's not going as sensationally. Yeah, and I think that's the way we should as fans approach it more often is we need you know, we need to always remember, I think, it's important, no matter where you are in the season, think about what your expectations were when the season started. And I think that is a simple question and just thought that people should do in order to keep themselves more grounded. Because I, like many people, don't think that we were going to come into this season and win the title. I just don't. You ask me on August 1st, 2020, or, you know, Chelsea went in the 2020-2021 Premier League title, and I'm going to tell you, no, they're not. This team is too far off of Liverpool. Quite frankly, I think Liverpool are one of the more impressive sides that I've watched in recent times as long with City, but City do seem to be on the much more drastic decline, is how I would put that, than you know, Liverpool are still doing really well. I'm not going to go on a tangent on those squads. I am going to keep it grounded to that. And I think that the fact of the matter is, if you remember your expectations at the beginning of the year, many people didn't think we were going to win the title this year, and we're currently not going to win the title this year if it ended today. But we're actually, you know, we're, instead of 30 points off of Liverpool, we're six points off almost midway. So, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, we knew what the objectives were. Start of the season, which was top four, close the gap. We've done all of those. Nothing, to, when you look at the table, the results, the statistics, the metrics, anything supports the idea that we are really far off of our targets and then the change needs to be made. 
And and I want to quickly give a shout out. You know, you said RJ that there have been improvements, and I agree on the macro level there have been massive improvements. So, for example, like last year defensively, we had very good expected numbers, but we had really poor actual numbers. In this season, we have really good actual numbers and pretty good expected numbers as well. So you've seen that issue sort of retract and, you know, hide itself away a little more. And we've also saw last year we were one of the best in attack, both expected and actual numbers. And this season, we're right there again amongst the top four in most things. So it looks like offensively, we're staying pretty much the same. And defensively, we've massively improved. So I think that is an objective macro level improvement that we have seen that people don't want to acknowledge, I guess. And I think that 17 game unbeaten run shows just how well we were. And I mean, I, I mean, I ran an article on Edward Mindy early in the season. The guy had some of yeah. the best statistics in all of Europe as a goalkeeper. I mean, just is shattering expectations. And now I'm seeing people say, oh, what's up with this supposed world class keeper? I saw that after the Arsenal match. I mean, yeah. what's he supposed to do? Save a PK from 12 yards? He's supposed to save just an absolute strike for the best goal Grant Jacques is going to score as part of Arsenal. I mean, I just, I, mean, I don't forget, know. People forget often what, what Kepa did to us. If, <laughs> yeah, if, we can put Kepa back. If, if five games, I'm making, I'm making people think, oh, um, and... Mandy, dodgy, this and that. Put yeah. Kepa in there and, and enjoy. Exactly. If if we take Mindy out of the equation and we put Kepa back in, and I don't want I hate to go against certain players, but I, I think Kepa, I can't lie, the numbers are what they are. He 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 conceded like 13 or 14 more goals than statistics would have expected last season, which was horrendous to say the least. So I agree with you. I mean, we, and not only that, we don't even have to go back to last season. I mean, he was in goal for some of the, he was in goal for some of these matches early in the season before we got Mindy officially done. And we were still a mess. I mean, we were playing Willie Caballero, 39 year old Willie over Keppa in some games, West Brom, especially, which was still a disaster. But again, that's how little the people who see him every day rate him. And that I think also the fact that we've registered our old, you know, legendary goalkeeper Petr Cech as our one of our keepers in the Premier League on our roster. I, I think that says it all about really not just Lombard's faith in Keppa or lack thereof, but it also shows Cech's lack of faith that, you know, I'm going to come out of retirement and be a third choice if I have to. And I don't know if anybody, you know, out of our out of us have read or heard this, but I saw an article that talked about Czech and his recruitment for a goalkeeper. He said he spent last season looking at over thirty to forty keepers last year, and I mean, <laughs> I think when he's That's that sold, I know when 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 whenever I think Petr Czech is that sold, he's going to go that deep of a you know a scouting dive at thirty to forty goalkeepers. I think that says that's in that shows his own opinion of Keppa. So yeah, I, I think there's just so much, and, and the reason why I bring up the Mindy part of it is I think that encapsulates very well if you want to look at not even results, points on the table, manager X Y Z. If you just look at simply when the results were going great, nobody questioned Edward Mindy. When the results start to go bad, like you said, oh Keppa or not Keppa, oh Mindy, he's looking a little dodgy after conceding that free kick to to Xhaka. 
And I, I mean, I saw some of those takes on the on you know social media, and just had to sit there and think to myself, "Have you ever played Keeper? Do you know what it's <laughs> you know like you know what this is like?" So uh, I think that just kind of shows how reactionary everyone can be. And fact of the matter is, it gets a little uh, it gets a little tiresome. And I think we need more perspectives, like everybody here has shown that. It's it's more than just uh, one match to decide an entire project. You just have to look at things in a little more of a macro scale. You can fine tune and analyze and critique individual matches as such as you might do like in a match report. But it's really just odd to me to take a individual match or three games individually and extrapolate that to the entirety of a project because if. If we want to go ahead and just, you know, use that same logic of three to four games, then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have been fired by now, and then Man United would have a, a new manager in place, and Pep would have been ousted by City already for his one bad month, and he wouldn't have got the contract renewal. Uh, Lompard would be out, and we'd have somebody new in to do what we've done for 10 years, which is maybe win this year or next, and then be right back to this position again. We we would have seen this again and again. Arsenal, I mean, they would have fired uh, Arteta very long ago, but they seem to have belief in his project and his vision as of now. So I, I think that's the way it is. If you're going to look at these individual performances, three to four games, maybe as a collective and make an entire decision on everything, then you need to have that same energy for every single manager in world football. And if you have that same ener- energy for you know management in world football – it would be a chronic revolving door at almost every single month of every at every single league and every single club. You're going to see new managers coming in and out all the time. And that doesn't happen for good reason. It's because people in clubs understand the context and what's going on and what they hired somebody to do. And I think fans have a big disconnect there. So before we end this episode, I just want to ask everyone here, do you think that a long-term project and therefore stability if that project succeeds do you think that's ever achievable at chelsea football club and i'll go ahead and start with you rj i know you got to hop off first it's a great question and i mentioned a little earlier about do we as a fan base have unreasonable expectations or are we impatient given the success we've had over the past 15 or 20 years under the abramovich era so looping back round to your question about what are the chances of sustainable long-term success for Chelsea, I'm really not sure, to be honest. I thought with what Lampard had brought in last season, and in my opinion, overachieved based on the general expectation of where we were supposed to finish, and given the substantial investment we had made during the transfer window this time round, there was a you know hope for me that you know, perhaps this is a turning of the page as a collective and that we were going to get behind, as I agree with Travis Tyler, one of our very best, because if there was one person we were going to trust for the first time ever to build that long-term goal, it was Lampard. And he had that first season to prove his worth. But we had the good form during the season so far during the unbeaten run, but during the last four or five games, you know, we're getting that negativity and that toxicity of the reactionary fan base. While I do think that's just a microcosm of a small set of fans, I am hopeful, hopeful still that the board and the club 
will stick by him at least, at least until the end of the season. And unless we are so dramatically off the pace, I don't think Lampard will be given the necessary time to make his vision long term. So I do think, just to wrap it up, it's going to be a very big struggle for, and I would just say not just Chelsea, I, I do think that it's difficult for any sort of big, big powerhouse club in the Premier League that if you're not doing well over a, a two, three-year horizon to stick by one particular manager. Because I do think that there are pressures from a commercial point of view and a global fan base point of view but they're going to want to see some element of success. And I agree that our club in particular is right in that bucket of clubs that really needs to have something to cling on to. So I do think it's quite difficult, but fingers crossed we can get that with Lampard because I would really want him to be the person that has that long-term relationship as manager and have something to emulate his success from a player as a manager. Yeah, I, I think that the, the chances for it are a little... Uh, up in the air we'll see how it goes but i want to quickly go ahead and shuffle over to travis next on the same question of what do you do you think a long-term stable project at chelsea is possible if if so or if not what are your chances for for that i I think it's possible i just think not to like steal the question but you know it's almost more of a case of when do we get this stomach to do what we need to do to make it happen you know manchester united's last title was 2013 and they've gone through manager after manager trying to replicate alex ferguson and you know they're not crazy about ollie but they're not as opposed to the needs of the club as they were under like jose Mourinho or louis van gaal and liverpool's the same you know I'm sure, like, you know, back in the 90s that Liverpool fans were having similar conversations. But do we really want to wait 30 years before we get the stomach to, you know, have patience with one manager and just build around him and give them the infrastructure they need to do what has to happen? I would like to think that we would be able to do that with Lampard. You know, our last title was 2017. I don't want our next title to be 2047. We just need to be patient. And, you know, even if, if if we can just stick with Lampard for three years, that's that's going to be more than, you know, anyone but Jose Mourinho in the Roman era. And that could lay the foundations for something really special, even if it's not with Lampard. You know, I want it to be with him, but I can understand that it's not. But we just we just need to find that right moment to say, all right, we're willing to, you know, just survive a drought for a little bit we're not gonna cause too much of a fuss and we know that if we do this we'll come out of it better than we are now you know liverpool are in the title race this year they won it last year they were in in it the year before but that came after you know, three years of Klopp just kind of kicking around so we just need to be patient need to be patient i think that's the simple answer uh, and the simple takeaway from all of this is that patience is a virtue you i mean you've heard all the you've heard everything before you know you've heard that patience is a virtue you've heard that good things come to those who wait you know i don't i don't know how many other metaphors i could list to to go on for how patience can sometimes pay off for you in a big way 
and not getting caught up in too much. And I think your points on Klopp really hit home. Um, we saw that Klopp, when he took over, was taking over a squad that, let's be honest, just was not very good anymore, um, even though they did hit pretty good highs under Brendan Rodgers uh, when he had the likes of Luis Suarez. But, you know, if Liverpool went ahead and knee-jerked and got rid of Klopp when they didn't see titles after year two, you know, where would they be now? back to where they were in the late 2000s when they weren't very re- relevant in for most terms that I'd like to use uh, that would describe relevancy in terms of winning titles and getting consistently into that top echelon. I mean, I, I don't have those memories of Liverpool from 10 years ago. Um, you know, they were knocking on the door a few times when they were never there. So, I agree with you. That's those are good points. I'm just going to quickly now shuffle over to Oa and the same question to you. Do you think that a long-term stable project is possible at Chelsea, or if it isn't possible, uh, why do you think it's not? We are the only ones that can decide if it's possible. I believe it's possible, and we don't even need to look far to see it's possible. All we need to do is look just at the top of the table. Yes, people will likely get irritated that I'm, I'm comparing Lampard to Klopp. I'm not comparing Lampard to Klopp. But when Klopp came into the side, it took him five years to win his first trophy for, for Liverpool. But it, it would take us a lot less. I know it would take us a lot less. But I noticed in those five years, I didn't see, probably only in Klopp's first season did I see moments of discontent. They, they they supported him all the way they they saw what he was doing and they allowed him to work. So I think we should allow Lampard to work. I definitely think if anyone can get us there, it's Lampard can get us there. And I know this because Lampard has worked with the tools he was given and delivered Champions League football. So when he has better players, he will do better things. Yes, we are sixteen points into we are sixteen games into a season he spent two hundred and fifty million and okay, so he should have won all sixteen games by now. I don't I don't understand where these expectations are coming from. Many people are saying um Chelsea's Chelsea is is worse off than they were at this stage last season. Yes, so is Liverpool, so is Manchester City. Liverpool at this stage last season had won all games and drawn one. Now they they are averaging around two two points per game thereabout. So it's 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 not just Chelsea that that is in this situation. It's it's every club. But this is why I feel we should give Lampard to the end of at least this season. If we are talking about whether to terminate his contract, I don't think now is the time to make that decision. And everyone that Lampard that Chelsea has sacked has not met. The, the expectations set for them. Antonio Conte didn't achieve Champions League football. Yes, you could argue that it's because he wasn't back and all of that, but he didn't achieve Champions League football and he was sacked. Mourinho was in 16th place. We were soon going to be in a relegation conversation. So he had to go. When, when Antelotti was sacked, I think it's because he didn't deliver the Premier League a second time. And, but what I know that Lampard has and a, a set of objectives with, with the Chelsea board. And as long as he hits those, that, that, those objectives at the end of the season, 
he would keep his job. If he doesn't achieve Champions League football at the end of the season, he definitely would not keep his job. I can vouch for that. So whoever wants to see Lampard sacked, they should just cool down. They won't, Lampard won't be sacked. Not now, not now anyway. But uh, as to whether the long, long-term long stability is possible at Chelsea, it is. Let's give Lampard... If Lampard achieves Champions League football again, in whatever circumstances, let's give him a study here because it's three years that we agreed on. So let's give him a study and see what he does. If he doesn't... If he's still not close to the to the title challengers by study, then yes, there's a conversation to be had. If he has not won any trophy by study, yes, there's a conversation to be had. But you can't expect a man to come into a team, work with academy, deliver Champions League football, then spend 200 million the second season and deliver you the Champions League and the World Cup. I don't, I don't really know how, how, how fans are thinking about it. So yes, I think it's possible, mm. and I think we're the only ones that can determine. We, we, we can only agree. If the board feels it's possible, then they would act like it. If they don't think it's possible, then you know, the ball is in their court. But I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible too. And, you know, I've for any listeners out there, you probably can tell where my stance on this is without being direct about it. But I'll go ahead and be a little more direct. I think a long-term stable project is, quite frankly, the only direction we should be interested in pursuing right now. Um, we've seen how it's become successful for other clubs in the Premier League in the modern era. And we've also seen what the past of the chop and change has done. It Eventually, it catches up to you. You just can't continually replace players and, and managers based upon the performances and then be left with players that don't really fit the tactics and so on and so forth. We just can't really do this anymore and it's just not sustainable. So we have to have a long-term vision. We have to have a long-term plan, and we need to shoot for stability instead of knee-jerking like we have done in the past. And I think that the Lombard appointment simply shows that the board has faith that this is possible as well because Lombard, is, outside of Andres Villas-Boas, is drastically different from every other managerial hire that we've had in the past. He comes in with little to no experience. I mean, we're talking one year at Derby, I'm not going to call that to be something that qualifies you as world-class, and I don't think anyone really will. So every other manager that's come in either arrives with this great reputation for doing something quite miraculous, given what they've had, or they simply just come in with the reputation of they win, they get results, trophies will show up in the cabinet. So Lampard doesn't offer either of those as when he's interviewing for his job at, as Chelsea manager at the end of his first season in, in you know football management. So the fact that we're willing to completely re, you know, revert our course uh, from the last 15 or so years of Abramovich ownership shows to me that the board has this vision and I think that many of us, you know, here uh, have this vision as well within the fan base. Everybody on this podcast, you know, has sort of the the same idea as well in terms of the vision. But but it's like we've all said, if we go into the end of the season, we will evaluate it like we do at the end of every season. And if we sit 10th place, yeah, uh, there probably will be a change made. And I don't think that would matter. It doesn't matter if it's any manager we bring in for a project if you finish 10th you're probably going to be in some trouble 
Granted, if that happens with Lampard, we don't know what the reaction would be. I'm just saying that history would suggest that you're going to be in a lot of trouble as far as getting your next paycheck. So I think those are all great points we made tonight. I think that we'll get back to maybe a little more normal of a format after the City game and just kind of try to analyze that. But with us having two matches, the busy holiday fixture, everything that's gone on in December, it might be good for our listeners just to hear us give some of the opinions that we have on some of the things surrounding the fan base and some of the narratives that are going on. And I think, if anything, I hope that our listeners have a much more balanced nuanced approach to consider when thinking about either Lampard in or Lampard out. Now, you know which camp I'm in. I don't think this is any time or moment to get rid of the manager. We don't decide a, a season off of one month. Therefore, that means you don't win the title in one month and you don't lose the title in one month. So it's a great thing we don't uh, decide who wins and who loses the league based upon the month of December. Because this is not a new trend for us. If you look historically, Chelsea have largely struggled in the month of December for several years now. Why that is across different managers and different players, I simply don't have an answer. The only underlying constant would be fatigue. But I feel like that's, I've done service for this podcast episode. I feel we've brought a lot to the table to offer in support of why I think that a more cautious and checked or realistic expectations are important for influencing our thinking going forward. So when we lose matches, everybody, it's fine to get upset. It's fine to be mad. It's fine to expect more. I get it. As many of us have said, sometimes the results in a Chelsea match can actually influence our moods and our opinions and our emotions. We're all guilty of it because we're all human. However, don't use that one match as your springboard for why a manager should or shouldn't be around. So with that, with that said, I think that you know we've had another great discussion on this episode of, of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. I can't wait to do another one with you all, and I'm really looking forward to us discussing a huge win against Man City to get this campaign really jump-started again, and we'll see how reactionary some of the fan base may or may not be. If we win that game, we'll try to contend us again, I'm sure, according to Chelsea fan base. Oh, I know. If we if we win that one too, I think there'll be you know a lot of those shouts that were titles, you know, contenders again. It's going to come back to Stanford Bridge, but I I really hope to come back after the city match, have a win to discuss because we haven't had too many wins to discuss since we've started this podcast. So I don't know. Hopefully, we're not cursed, but uh, I'm hoping for uh, my co-hosts once again are RJ Ola and Travis Tyler. All of them can be found on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Good Things. Ola is at McNobsey. Travis Tyler is at Travdical. And you can find me, Travis Flock, at Crossroads CFC. So I want to thank all the, the hosts for taking out the time of their day uh, to be a part of this. It is a, a, a huge endeavor that we have to try to get this to work. All the credit goes to you guys. This wouldn't be possible without you. And I want to credit any of our listeners out there that have been following the podcast so far. Any new listeners that we might pick up as part of this one. So thank you all for that. I hope we have another great episode of the Balanced Blues Brother podcast to bring to you after a win from Man City. 